podcast with me henry and i'm dylan and as henry already said it's a it's a movie podcast and we talk about movies uh we're two longtime buddies and uh one day we decided hey let's put our conversations out for people to listen to and let's put a, a uh, needle to that vinyl yeah and we're not quite sure if anyone likes it or not but we're gonna keep doing it for a long time um Anyway, today uh, we watched Fruitvale Station by Ryan mm-hmm. Coogler, uh, starring Michael B. Jordan and Octavia Spencer, and a couple other people that I do not know, but I'm sure Henry knows. Got them all written down. <laughs> He's you're the the facts guy always. You got the stats to back it up. The facts and uh, the stats. Facts and stats. <laughs> uh, before we, we talk about the movie, though, we like to do a little thing called Movie Moments, where we pick out a moment from our week and we talk about it because it was cinematic or felt like a movie. So, Henry, you got a... Was there a point in your life this week that felt like a film? Yeah, well, we've kind of said it before on the show that uh, right now during the quarantine, it's kind of far and few between it these moments happen but yeah, yeah. um i was watching uh fincher's panic room from 2002 yesterday mm-hmm. um on the front porch and it's nice we've got some garden lights up and it was yeah just nice out it was just chilly enough to need a hoodie and it, it was, i don't know it just broke up the pace of the week kind of getting outside and watching something and just yeah yeah it was good i uh i ate a whole sleeve of ritz crackers with peanut butter that's so. super easy. That's not impressive, Henry. It's, no, it's, it's not cake. impressive, but it's one of those things that <laughs> the whole sleeve. I kept telling myself, "Don't, don't do it." Just, I mean, you know, get halfway eating, and do the adult thing, fun. and you know, twist it up and set it aside. But that's not you get even down possible. to the last third. You're know. like, you know what? What am I going to do? Put a third of this back? I got to um, be honest. When I see like half. A, a sleeve of Ritz in somebody's pantry, I always get a little suspicious. I'm always like, I don't buy it. I don't you're buy like, that you can just eat half of You're an alien that doesn't eat. <laughs> yeah. You threw out half of those to make it <laughs> yeah. look like you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody put these here to make it seem like that. It's just a decoy. <laughs> it's <laughs> all it a decoy. It seems like that they're human and they eat food. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, my movie moment what about you? is I... Uh, Yesterday, I just, you know, quarantine lost my brain and needed to get out of the city. So I hopped in my car and drove two hours out into the middle of the California desert and uh, went to... Screamed into the void. Yeah, screamed into the void. No, yeah. (laughs) I I drove all the way out to the middle of nowhere, got out of my car and looked up at the sky and screamed into the void. (laughs) I did not do that. I just I went to uh, Red Rock Canyon, which is a super cool little national park with a bunch of cool rocks. Um, and then I got out, and it was just like dead, silent, with like wind, and it was just so 
uh, otherworldly. I felt like I was on another planet, and it was like very, very cool. So, yeah, it was nice. nice. Yeah, and then I, I, you did that instead of recording. <laughs> yes, I bailed yesterday because I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm losing my brain. Um, That's good though. Really, after watching this movie, kind of kicked it all—not kicked it all off, but added to it. Um, because to start it off, uh, I just want to say about this movie and just life, uh, fuck the police and (laughs) fuck the police department. And yeah, I just, I, I, this movie makes me so mad. (laughs) I just, I like, I'm just so frustrated. Uh, but yeah. So those are my feelings about parts of this movie. But what were you, what was your initial uh, uh, thoughts? Uh, it it plays out very much like a Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah, um, in in a subtle way. It's not like you know elevated reality or heightened speech or anything. But uh, they open up the movie with cell phone footage of what happened uh, that fateful night, which was. Something director Ryan Coogler was initially against. He didn't want to yeah. include I was, any footage. I still don't know how I feel about opening well, up that way. So his thoughts were, at first he was very much against it, and then some of his um, the other folks working on the film insisted that he at least try it. And one of the, the thing that got him to realize this is actually necessary is he said growing up in the Bay and being in that moment in time they'd seen the footage so many times and they just knew they knew it by heart but yeah. that there's plenty of people in the country and the world that hadn't uh-huh. and that it was important for them to see that this was as indisputable as it yeah. as it's portrayed and i mean for me it just artistically it had the effect of um it had the effect of you know the prologue in Romeo and Juliet where they tell you exactly what's going to happen. Um, so the rest of the movie, I'm watching it and yeah. yeah. It, I'm not sure. I, it, I think that's why I had kind of, I don't know if I had problems with it. I still haven't decided whether I like the fact that he showed it at the beginning rather as the end, because for me, it just didn't, uh, it didn't allow me to be happy at all during the whole mm-hmm. movie. Um, and I, and I'm not sure, and I understand that may have been the point, but like, I just, I don't know. I can't, cause there are certain things I liked about it and the way that it made me feel having it at the beginning, but then thinking about it without at the beginning, then you're just like in a story and you may not necessarily know what happens. So it just makes every moment much more like sad. Like it, it, it leans very much into the like. He's going to die at the end, you know? Um, Yeah, which I think definitely puts it in a very specific, not even category. That makes it sound like it's a bunch of movies like this. But 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 that choice very much puts it in this box of this tragedy where every moment, I mean, he puts on the black T-shirt and you're like, fuck. He gets convinced to take the train. You're like, fuck. Hearing... Um, he's like, oh, I want to go home, and his girlfriend is like, No, nah, let's go out. And you're like, Fuck! Like the whole movie are all these moments that are just leading up to what you know is going to happen, and it. Speaking yeah, on it, the, uh, it's rough. There's, I think there are too many movies like this 
that that's why I was when you said there's like not a whole lot of movies like this. The thing that made me so frustrated at the end and kind of like just I, I'm just so frustrated is that this kind of movie has become a genre in our country and in our culture. And it just has made me incredibly angry that like we have to make these we we make these movies because nothing is fucking happening. So like watching this again, you mean nothing's it's, nothing's changing. With nothing's the changing. Yes, nothing's that's what I. That's what I mean. Nothing's changing. So like watching itself. watching these movies over and over again is just like watching the videos over and over again online. And I these movies have been made and they keep getting made because nothing is changing. And that just frustrates me to no end. No, it's heavy. It's heavy. And it's definitely one of the heavier movies, partially for the reason you pointed out, which when you started off with the actual footage from the jump, I mean, you watch a man get murdered, right? In real life. And then, and yes, they cut away the moment before it happens, but the impact is there. And then you, you watch this whole account of this man's last day on earth and it just which is a hell of a last day i know it's probably not like exactly true like point for point but well, so let's get into it let's get into the production ryan coogler who directed it is an oakland native um he was uh he was oscar grant uh the man who got shot and killed he was oscar grant's yeah. age um yeah when this happened so it was intensely personal subject for him he was at USC, I want to say, down in Southern California studying film. Um, and this was what he wanted to, you know, document. And he wanted to make his first feature yeah. film about. So he ended up linking up with Forrest Whitaker, who was instrumental in getting the film produced. Mm-hmm. Um, they shot Octavia for 20 Spencer days. Well. Octavia Spencer as well. Yeah, one of the, one of the light, or, uh, financing deals fell through. While they were shooting, I believe, and Octavia Spencer pulled some strings and did a couple things to make it happen. She forgo her salary. Oh, she did. That's what happened. Yeah. Oh, rap. Some funding fell through. She was like, yeah. Well, and she also reached out to. um, She was in that movie, The Help, and I think she reached out to the author of the book that was adapted. (laughs) Yeah. And they got some money. She she wrote. No, she reached out to a friend who wrote the role of Minnie for her in oh, the help. Oh, for the movie of the help? So she wrote the, yeah, gotcha. the movie okay. the help. Yeah. I love the game of telephone that kind of happens sometimes with research where I, yeah, I yeah. try to be as thorough as possible that's, and not only Hollywood, look at baby. articles, but look at the sources <laughs> for those articles and just, you know, hold the two up against one another so that you make sure that it's accurate, which yeah. for this especially being something based on true life, is you know paramount right like i i want to be as accurate as possible and later i'll actually just read straight from an article because i felt like it encapsulated the events of what happened a bit better than i could have um yeah so they shot it for around i think 20 days in july 2012 they actually filmed at the bart station where all of this went down yeah um and you feel it uh, especially being someone from the san francisco bay area it's it's very trippy watching this movie because it feels so immediate and it feels so. Well, they so they real, shot on right? uh, they shot on sixteen millimeter too, which adds mm-hmm. this like level of authenticity. Yeah, uh, and I, I do think it's a really like beautiful 
film also uh none of the shots really like you know it, it's his it's first not flashy feature. it's not a very yeah, flashy like, movie which i think is a strength they didn't go for something over stylized they didn't go for something that would have gotten in the way of the story at hand because i feel like anything anything too broad or too or too uh i don't know what's the word if they went for a look i think it would have taken away from what they were trying to do well, I think there's definitely a look to this the more I watch it. Um, the thing is, is I, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but this is a, a, it's his first feature. Um, so this movie for me feels, uh, pretty, pretty good. Uh, it didn't like evoke any like amazing feelings as a film. And it didn't. I didn't see anything that was like in particularly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So it was. I thought it's, it was it's pretty, moving, but it's not. It was pretty good. Yeah, it didn't really like. I don't know. It didn't break I new it's, ground. It's, it's it didn't really having like these conversations do anything about bad. Movies based on important events is because it almost feels like sacrilege to speak to the technicality yeah. of the movie, um, yeah. especially with something like this where it it is not bad in any sense and it is it's no, very it's serviceable very it's successful like good, yeah. in what it sets out to do and obviously it yeah. launched a very successful career for yeah. ryan coogler and boosted the career of michael b jordan who'd been acting yeah. since childhood um, creed's really great everyone should watch creed that's a, that's a movie made after this yeah. it's fantastic <laughs> the fourth fifth fifth movie in the rocky series i honestly i don't know i think yeah, yeah. i think it's the sixth sixth so there it's was the 10th Rocky. movie in the Rocky series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. the movie premiered at Sundance 2013. It was bought for approximately $2 million by none other than the Weinstein Company. Um, back when That's the, so I weird know. now these days when the Weinstein Company comes up on a movie and you're like, I know. Well. You got to mention it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking it. weird. Uh, first off, I guess we're just going to keep watching movies with adorable kids, huh? Yeah, oh my god. That's the just kid a, a is new so pattern on the show. Yeah, <laughs> We're just watching yeah. stuff with these like adorable little children that are so sweet. Well, that's a pattern in both of these movies very specifically is like, yes. you know, oh, good dads. Young, I mean, young he's like fathers a good, with, like yeah. when they're with their kids, they're like the best of dads. Mm-hmm. And like all of the there scenes are a lot of when he's with his kids is they're they're so uh happy. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. everything, all the like happy moments really like they really work in this. Like the whenever he's playing with his kid or whenever he comes mm-hmm. home to or goes over to his, you know, uh, sister-in-law's house to drop the kid off. And all the kids are like mm-hmm. jumping on him and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of moments of, like like truly pure joy in this, which is really yeah. nice. I think another thing about that in a movie like this, especially when they, they tell you how it's going to end, you know, just from history how it's going to end yeah um when there are those moments just on a a movie watching level it is kind of that release valve of tension especially because you're watching this character who yeah you know has had trouble in the past lost his job has been to jail a few times hasn't had an easy go of it and is Mm -hmm. trying to turn that around and you know every step of the way is kind of both both getting in his own way and just finding it hard harder and harder to do it the right way. And I think for me it was very much encapsulated in this moment at the grocery store where he's talking to his friend at the the 
butcher's yeah. counter. And mm-hmm. he's joking around with him, joking around with his new friend, uh, Katie, I think her name is. Um, yeah. And then when he says bye and he's smiling and he goes around the corner and he's tying up the bag. And yeah. Michael B. Jordan's performance is so oh, yeah. good because his smile just melts off his face. And you realize how much pressure he's under and you realize how. Yeah. How you and throughout all this, you're trying to get your life on track. You also have to kind of play it like it's nothing to the people around you. And he's 22. I had to keep telling myself that, that like this kid's 22 and this got a kid. That's something that I I wrote down also is uh, Michael B. Jordan's performance specifically in his face um, that I, you first, not you, you don't first see it, but like, I think you notice it, um, in the flashback when he's talking to his mom in prison the year before mm-hmm. and you see his like person, his like happy face. And then when like mm-hmm. the, that fucking white guy who side note is like the personification of the devil, that guy literally looks like the most evil person in the world. <laughs> Like when I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, that guy is this the he is the devil. Um, but you see Based his on face, a real dude, which is the other thing about this movie horrifying. that just kills yeah, you is like yeah. someone shows up and you do a little research you're like, oh, no, that of course, like yeah. that fight on the train later. And they set it up. And who knows if that that moment happened in the visiting room. But what happened later on the train between those two characters is very much real. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. No, it's okay. The, uh, but his performance where he goes from his like happy face or, you know, like normal face to mm-hmm. his like hardened, like prison face. And mm-hmm. like it, you, you see his personality shift when that guy fucks with him and he immediately snaps and yeah. turns into what like prison turns people into. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that was just such a, and it happens in on the train in the la, like the last part of the movie too, where everything's cool. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Katie, and then that guy shows up, and then you see his face, com- his eyes just completely turn, turn yeah. back into like that person. And to me, like that performance is such a, a subtle, great representation of like what prison doesn't rehabilitate people. It's not meant for that. It's meant to like. Um, torture punish people punish people yeah. yeah so like you turn into a different person when you're there like and you're you're not the person that you are well and there's that moment in the aisle as well where he's pleading with his former manager to get his job back and he grabs yeah. him by the arm and later gets, even like vaguely yeah. threatens him and there's there is this edge of menace that michael b jordan is able to bring that mm-hmm. yeah. creeps in as this sort of like desperate survival instinct or something and it yeah it it does paint a more complicated picture and it it just kind of it it just kind of hurts to watch you know um but yeah, yeah. the performance is solid it's in very very capable hands as soon as his sister calls him on the phone and asks for a card with no white people on it i knew that the first thing he was going to do is go to like the hallmark <laughs> store and get like the whitest the thing whitest. he could <laughs> Um, how what did you think about the the phone visuals? I was gonna yes, I was gonna ask you about that as well. Um, we've been watching these mid two thousand movies, and there was even a film essay. God, I want to say it was Nerd Writer, 
that was about how films depict text messaging on screen, yeah. how they film, um, you know, interfacing with your cell phone and that kind of communication. Yeah. There's so many ways to do it. You can cut to the screen. You can have it come up on on the screen as superimposed text. In this film, yeah. it's sort of this almost hologram depiction of the screen that even has the, you know, mid-2000s autocorrect feature. Yeah. Everyone's typing yeah. on, like, Blackberries and Razors and things like that. And yeah. it really ground this in 2008 for me. That and when he's driving and his mom's like, are you using your earpiece? I was just going to say, like, I remember in California when that law, like, was put in place. Yeah. And they were like, Mm -hmm. you can't talk on the phone in your car. (laughs) And and everyone was, like, getting weird-ass Bluetooth Bluetooth headsets and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, yeah. All of a sudden, it wasn't just the businessmen. It was like, oh, we all got to do this. Um, Yeah, everyone in their car. It was interesting. I mean, it, it kind of yanks you, but... It is set in 2008, so it yanked actually, me in the way that was kind of like, oh, all right, yeah. At first, like the first time it happened, it obviously you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then after that, I didn't even think about it. I thought it was super low key, um, mm-hmm. and just used as like a just a tool, and it didn't bring too much attention yeah. to itself. It was just very simply yeah. like used to get information across. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know, I thought it was. Uh, compared to some like texting visuals, it yes. was like super chill, very simple, and like just a good way to get information quickly. Um, this movie might have the most buzz per minute of any movie I've ever seen. Truly, uh, those, yeah, you should have clocked that. Those not that. from the Bay Area. <laughs> I should have. I thought about it, bruh. but I ran out of time. Um, bruh is Barry slang. It's just bro, guy, whatever. I I love the slang. The there was one. When he's selling the weed to the guy at the on the like the ocean, mm-hmm. and when he yeah. leaves, he says, "Be smooth." And then he leaves, and I was like, "Ooh, that's I like." I was like, "That's a good one. That's like a good piece of yeah, slang. for sure. <laughs> that one feels good." Speaking of the scene where he's uh, selling weed, dude, uh-huh. it's so trippy to watch a movie from a time when weed was still dangerously Weird. illegal, and then yeah, that, that yeah. thought that makes me mad because I think about all the folks whose life it ruined because of mm-hmm. the stigma and the illegality, especially yeah. now that, you know, big corporations are getting rich off are of it. Just, and, yep. Mm-hmm. And it's I a mean, whole it's, fucking thing. And there's still people in prison, largely black folks, other people of color who went because of the war on drugs, because of our country's obsession with over-policing, over-incarceration. Mm-hmm. It just, it's fucking insane. So watching stuff from not that long ago, like a movie that's set less than a decade ago, and there's someone doing like an illicit weed deal yeah. is both, you know, nostalgic in this weird way and infuriating because it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That it's thing that we're crazy. super chill about now. Yeah. Yeah. People people are still in jail for it. Uh-huh. One of the things mm-hmm. that really like – uh, hit me and I don't know, kind of frustrated me in a to a certain extent was uh, how much the like parents and adults, I guess, um, like shake their head almost at at Oscar as a character, and I kind of noticed it with Octavia Spencer, and I know that like it's you know he's she's his mom and she wants him to be better. Like I understand that, like I get that that is the point, but. Um, there's that moment with uh, his girlfriend's mom where she asks him about work, 
you know, and like she's not a very work good work. Active, and then she, by the way, Safina's well, yeah, grandma or Safina's mom's, yeah, that was yeah, but she like shakes her head, and I just that shit always bothers me because like, especially in these kind of movies where you can see that somebody's trying to be a better fucking person Mm -hmm. and they are constantly, constantly met with people who say you've been arrested once stop being a fucking idiot and are just so hard on people. Well, he'd been arrested trying to make their life better. It was, well, yeah, sorry. Regardless of like, regardless of what people have done, Mm -hmm. it just, it frustrates me to no end always when people look at them and, are constantly judging them. Yeah, it's like the line in in blind spotting. Like, you will always be a convicted felon, and you have to be For proving sure. otherwise always. And yeah. like, and even his mom, to a certain extent, is kind of like, you know, oh, I just can't imagine how it feels to be always being watched. Your every single move that you make is always being judged under a microscope. Yeah. Nobody's trusting you ever. And that just breaks my heart. Regardless of what you've done in the past, mm-hmm. it kills me. And yeah. this movie does a good job of like kind of subtly saying that in a few different instances. Yeah, for sure. That's very true. Um, yeah, and that that visiting room scene is really interesting. I thought the writing was a little spotty, um, mm-hmm. but kind of getting to the heart of that and, you know, his mom trying to be there for him and trying to love him, but also kind of hammering home that point of like, get your shit together. It's not fair to your, your girlfriend. It's not fair to your kid. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, so those feelings of, yeah, kind of get your shit together for these people in your life, but also looking at it from the perspective of someone who's been in the system and, has had to survive because of that, especially when that same scene includes him kind of squaring yeah. off against this other very threatening presence that he has to deal with all the time. And it's like, yeah. do you, you guys see all the shit that comes with once you're, yeah, once you're kind of trapped in this life, the shit you have to do. It's really hard to get out of. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, kind of interwoven yeah. with that flashback scene, Oscar goes to the bay to meet up for that drug deal you mentioned. And, yeah. um, I just, I really liked, uh, when he goes down to the water line uh-huh. and yeah. for a few shots, it's nothing but him rocks ocean and off in the distance mountains. You don't see buildings. You don't see yeah. anything except him in nature. And I, I feel like um, those kinds of moments, especially in a movie that's set in the city, can be really powerful. Uh-huh. And it it kind of yeah. zooms you into a character outside of their circumstances, right? So seeing him yeah. reflecting on what's going on and reflecting on you know wanting to change and kind of watching the tide roll in. I just think it's mm-hmm. an effective moment. Yeah. I, I kind of put it in the back of my brain, like, "Oh, cool! If you're if you're making a movie in the city, throw in some nature, throw in some nature, and it just provides this contrast where it mm-hmm. it takes that person out of these circumstances that, especially in movies like this, where you you kind of assign this, and it's such a, a loaded word in conversation, but this urban quality mm-hmm. to characters yeah. and to take them out of that and kind of say to the viewer like." 
okay, but really though, like think about this person on a person to person level, you know, kind of, it's important to look at someone's circumstances, but occasionally divest them from that, view them as this human being, view them as somebody who wants to get better no Mm -hmm. matter what they've done. And that'll, that'll come up as well. I've got some, some things from, you know, different reviews of the movie and the way some people reacted and some of it comes down to, you know, Oscar Grant's character as a person and how that fed into not only the trial of the officer Mm -hmm. that shot him, but just, you know, him turning into a symbol and the way people speak about him as a person. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the, I think the movie does a good job of showing that aspect of just of a person (laughs) Yeah, trying to be a person. Um, And some of my favorite scenes are like, Obviously, when they're at their happiest, like the scene when, you know, it's his mom's birthday and they go over to his grandmother's house or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're all cooking and hanging out and he's hanging out with his uncles and like everything was just so nice. That also just made me miss family gatherings. Oh, God, me too. I was watching that. I was like, man, that looks awesome. Four generations in one room. That sounds awesome. That was yeah. crazy. Four generations. <laughs> that sounds awesome. God, I want gumbo yeah. after watching that too. I know, I know. That was and there's that one line uh where oh, this isn't in that scene, but there's one line where the girlfriend asks her mom, Can you watch the kid? And the mom's like, No, like send her to your sister's house. She's like, She's got so many kids, and then the mom says, What's the difference between watching six kids and watching seven kids? And I, <laughs> and I was like that's the truest fucking shit that's been said this whole time. <laughs> Cause like, what is the difference between watching seven kids as opposed to six kids? As, as someone who has not done all that much childcare and the little that I have, I felt very overwhelmed. Probably I mean, a lot. I mean, the difference I is like... probably a lot, but I hear the logic both ways. I'm like, yeah, just chuck the kid in, in the pit of children. Together. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right, just have fun. Uh, that line got me pretty good. Um, but yeah. when they when they finally do go over to drop the, the kid off uh, to go out to San Francisco for the night, there's that one shot. Um, and, man, it, this one hit me real rough just because of w- what's been going on recently uh, with George Floyd and, and everything else is when all the kids are jumping on him, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then there's that one shot of his face on the ground. Yeah. And the kid's like pushing his face. And he's like, I like you're tickling me. And I was just like, fuck, man, that yeah. like. And it, it echoes the same shot. It echoes the shot of the dog and it echoes the shot of him at the end. Yeah. With the, the cops knee on his on his neck. And that one. Ooh, uh, that one that one got me. Do you want to talk about that dog? Yeah. If you want to talk about. It. Um, so that scene was. um a fabrication, right? That was yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Ryan Coogler and the cast. Um, Ryan Coogler actually got in touch with the family's attorney through a friend, and you know, saw all sorts of documentation, all sorts of different things about Oscar, about the case, everything else. Um, once they kind of convinced the family, or they got Forrest Whitaker on board, he talked to the family, and they basically kind of explained the project to him. And once the family was on board. Um, Ryan Coogler and the cast spent a lot of time with the family trying to learn as much as they could about those last days, kind of interviewing everyone who interacted with him that day and kind of painting as complete a picture as they could. Um, mm-hmm. 
so for the most part, like the movie is what happened during that day. And there's a few, few scenes that were, um, made up, uh, the scene where he sees the dog get hit by a car, um, him yeah. throwing away the zip of weed was actually also yeah. a fabrication. Um, and then sounds, yeah. in a somewhat minor thing, apparently the, the scene of everyone dancing on the train was made up and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like it. Oh man. I, I, I'm really bummed. I'm low key kind of bummed because I love that scene so no, much. No, the scene's great. And, it, and, it and me let so me happy. say <laughs> the article that says that it's made up is an article I'm going to talk about later in a not so favorable okay. light. So it might be total BS. The guy was cranky and shitty anyway. So, okay, great. Anyway, <laughs> but um, I was actually going to ask you um, how you feel about movies like this, where it is based on you know true based life. It's life. based on real events. It's based on someone's life, and there are fictionalized elements. You know, we see it in biopics. We see it in other things. But this particularly is like this tragic story of this person who, you know, and I, yeah. so I'm, I'm curious how you feel about the inclusion. I have of mixed like feelings. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, personally, I, in terms of like biopics and stuff about real people, mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite biopics is, is uh, the Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. Mm -hmm. And, the reason why I like that so much is uh, Aaron Sorkin, he basically said, like, he set out to write a biopic, um, but none of the scenes really that happen in the movie are real or actually happen. There's maybe one or two scenes that actually happen, and the whole concept for him was to get to the essence of a person because this is a fictional story, and writing something that is exactly what happened doesn't really get to the essence of who like a person is. Mm -hmm. So writing fictional scenes to understand who a person is, is super effective. And I much prefer that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when you're making a movie like this or a biopic or anything, when you go into the movie, like when you buy your ticket, that's like your contract into this is a fucking movie and everything that happens in this isn't necessarily real. Like, mm. so when people like bitch about like, oh, they made this scene to make him look like a good guy. I'm like, you can go fuck off because it's a movie and this is the main character. Like, that is the point. So like, I'm not quite sure why you're here or why you came to see the movie because like, it's a movie. It's not a documentary or we're not going back in time to watch these real events happen. It's a fictionalized version to make you feel an essence of what this person is, like regardless mm. of if these events actually happened or whatnot. So I don't know. It's complicated because I prefer a different style of storytelling to sure. like do biopics and stuff, but I don't think that this is bad or people shouldn't do it personally. Yeah. I, I do think it breaks down into, you know, style and technicality kind of like we've been touching on where, you know, there's something to be said for I, I actually haven't watched it, but the Elton John documentary or documentary um, biopic that they essentially turned into. Oh, it's like magical realism, it's musical awesome. number. And just just hearing that where they're like, look, we're going full fantasy. Rocket Man's rad. I feel like, yeah, unless you're doing a documentary. Look, folks, the truth is people's lives are so fucking complicated and nuanced 
and there's so much going on in people's heads. You're never I think about get this. Totally right. Yeah, and I think about this in terms of myself. Yeah. I'm terrified of somebody creating a documentary about me. I don't like people, you know, misquoting me or attributing or even saying something I said out of context and making it look mm-hmm. a different way. It yeah. terrifies me, especially these days. Yeah. Um so there's so much that we can't capture about a person. So on some level, I'm actually very distrusting of biopics just out of pocket because mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah. You know, because for better or for worse, someone is making decisions about the way they're going to portray you. And uh-huh. that's always going to be flawed in some ways. It's going to have motives. It's going to be yeah. the way it is. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think it is tricky. I think especially in a case like this where, you know, it's somebody who because of their death saw this national and international spotlight as this symbol of something wrong with our country. Right. So then that gets into something even different, which is like, it almost doesn't matter who someone is if it feeds into this larger problem, you know, and those are much, much bigger conversations, but yeah, yeah, it's a lot and it's tricky and strictly from a filmmaking perspective, I also prefer something more fictionalized because it's kind of saying we're already that is baked into this process. We can't make something to completely truthfully represent someone. So we're leaning into it and we're turning it into more of a fairy tale, more of a story, you know, rather than trying to say this is someone's life because I hate it when movies are trying to make it sound like that's what actually happened. And I'm like, don't don't do that. It's a dangerous That was my biggest like concern about this movie is i kept thinking would i have preferred this if it was not necessarily about this guy and heavily based on this situation so it gives you a lot more creative freedoms to make different points well something like blind spotting we we just watched a movie that has similar themes except uh, the only reason that i put the two together in my head is well there's a lot that connects them, but in my head, because blind spotting is fictionalized, you can view it with a certain, um, it, it takes certain things off the table, right? Like a lot of the attention that was paid to this movie and a lot of the critical attention focused on Oscar Grant as a person. And it became kind of this yeah. trial of his character. You look at something like blind spotting where not only is it this fictionalized account, it's about a character who witnesses something happen to somebody else sees how that could easily happen to them. And it, it begs questions about society in a way that you can focus on those questions, something like this. A lot of us get caught up in conversations about the person. I feel as if, uh, those two, these two movies have different points Mm -hmm. and they're attempting to do two different things. And I think that they're both valid. Like, I don't necessarily break it down for me. I guess for me, like blind spotting was good and it it brought up a lot of points and it makes you ask a lot of questions, but it's still fun. It's still digestible. Like you're still able to, you know, have a good time. This felt very specifically to make a, the point of this person who was shot, regardless of what they've done in their past, was a human being. And this mm-hmm. was real and this happened. This isn't just a movie that that you can watch and forget about tomorrow. Like this was real and this happened. And this is my best attempt to put you in that moment. This is my best attempt to do that. 
And I think that there's something valid in that, regardless of what we like or dislike in terms Definitely. of a biopic. I think there, there's something valid to be said for making art like that. Because for me, it very much put me in that moment. And even if it's made to you know pull at the heartstrings, I think we need stuff like that, regardless Definitely. of if it's good or bad or whatever. Like I, I think it's valid, I, I guess, is kind of my point, is that it puts you in that moment. I cried like I cried for like five minutes after this. And that was like a lot of that was adding on to a lot of stuff that I was already feeling. But mm -hmm. the ending just like completely broke me. Um, and I yeah. even teared up a little bit in the second the second viewing. And it's just I think we yeah. need movies like that, too. You know, I even if they're bad, like. I don't know. I guess I'm just saying everyone make keep making movies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Like that's kind of, I guess and the fact that the we're able to compare two movies about similar topics. That's a great thing it's, that needs to keep happening. That needs to, the more we focus on something and the more we make movies, the reason you're able to have a, a podcast specifically about action movies or movies about specific topics yeah. or, you know, is because the breadth of a, of subject matter breeds conversation it breeds mm -hmm. comparison it breeds you know in-depth yeah. analysis which is super yeah. important and especially something like this you know not everybody is going to want to watch a documentary about something important not everyone's want going to want to tune into something that feels yeah you know that's just about the facts or something else so choosing to go the yeah. route of a biopic does personalize this story in a way that by the end of it like i'll never forget oscar grant's name Right. I'm always yeah. going to think about yeah. this. And as much as, you know, I, I think we should take each of these horrible occurrences to heart and remember people's names and do our best to remember their stories. These are the kinds of things that do immortalize what happened and they kind of force us to remember what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you're I think you're definitely right. And then even to address the the BS like negative response of, Oh, it's valorizing this person with this checkered past. If that's the yeah. response to this movie, I think you need to ask yourself some you very hard questions <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. why that is what you're talking about. Why is that? Why are you irked about what that? You, what you scope yeah. into, you know? And yeah, the, the thing that I say to those people is like, Hey, uh, I mean, these people are probably for the death penalty, so this may not help. But for me, it's like this person's a human being. Regardless of I don't give a fuck what they did. Nobody deserves to be killed to have their life taken away by somebody else ever. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. So I know I keep teasing that's that just my opinion, fucking man. article. I'm going to rail about it at the end of this. Well, but... go. Go, okay, no, no, fuck it. Let's, let's do it. Because okay. we were talking about we were, we were talking about his character. So let's let's go into your articles and yes. the things that you researched about the movie and the actual situation. Yes. Okay. So some people responded to this film as being an overly positive portrayal of Oscar Grant, um, but the articles I found that took that tack had distinctly critical uh -huh. tones towards Oscar's life specifically. Um, and huh. they went to great lengths to highlight just about every negative thing they could as a way of decrying the events themselves. Um, yeah. Like they brought up the fact that he cheated on his girlfriend. They brought up the fact that he they say that, got though, fired from I, his job. No, but like, but specifically looking at those things, 
and saying that the movie, you know, lightly addresses them as if it was supposed yeah. to be more condemning somehow. Um, even going so, so far in one article to argue an, that it was truly some kind of tragic accident, that there wasn't evidence enough to show the officer's rough treatment of Grant leading up to the gunshot. And then the article went to <laughs> great pains to insist that Grant was resisting arrest. And there's a quote. He says, the only remarkable aspect of Grant's life was its end. End quote. Oh, Okay, psychopaths. So just fucking just to call it out, this is fucking. Those uh, people are psychopaths. This is a, a journalist critic. I say that with disdain. Uh, Kyle Smith. This is specifically pulled from his article in Forbes. Um, oh boy! And looking at the rest of his articles, it you get a sense of who he is, and it makes a lot more sense. And it's kind of like okay, He's a so racist. you were well. You, it, he's a Fox News contributor. So, so fuck you, Kyle Smith. So, but so you you look <laughs> at someone's body of work and you ask why someone is so bent on, you know, focusing on one aspect. And, folks, the fact of the matter is, you click through and you do a little bit more digging and you realize some people are going to be predisposed to view things in a certain light. They don't want to open themselves mm-hmm. up to any other viewpoints. They don't want to view somebody as human. Yeah. And they don't want to look They're at someone. They're looking for flaws. This movie is about a 22-year-old. A 22-year-old. Do you know where my life was at when I was 22? It was in fucking shambles, right? Uh, and if yeah, somebody judged well, yeah. me at that moment and only looked at my mistakes and only looked at you know what I hadn't done yet, mm-hmm. that's that's so cruel. Like That is such a bullshit way of viewing somebody's life to look at somebody mm-hmm. at the cusp of adulthood essentially – and yeah. not giving them the benefit of the doubt. The other thing in the article, he was he was heavily implying that, like, oh, the movie makes it sound like he's going to change, but there's really no evidence to suggest that he was going to change. And it's like, dude, that's not the point. The, you, these people, these people have no, they have no empathy. That I I don't even know if they have a soul. These people because they seem to, they seem to treat human life as if it needs to be earned, as if like. You there need is to a very earn moralistic, being a human being, very, and it's disgusting. Meritocratic sense to a lot yeah. of it. Um, yeah, and here's the thing: so that's, I think that guy, that Kyle Smith, whoever you are, I think uh, you should have free health care. I think you should never be put to death in prison. I think all the good things should happen to you in your life. But opinion-wise, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, I hope he listens to this. Sorry, this is pretty <laughs> crass. I'm just a little pissed off this episode. All 15 of our listeners are like, yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah, get him. <laughs> um, so, so that's the other thing about movies like this that touch on these real events and touch on things that yeah. unfortunately are shit we're still dealing with. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I see it as this core problem of somebody picking and choosing who gets to be a human being with the benefit of the doubt and who doesn't and the yeah. benefit of, you know, just humanity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sadly it's finding predictable, a reason to kill somebody. Right. Yeah. It's sadly predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into the end of the movie, I think let's, let's look at the real life of what happened. Um, yeah. So basically what happened was coming back from watching you know, fireworks or trying to watch fireworks and hanging out in downtown San Francisco. Um, Oscar Grant, his girlfriend, and 
their friends were coming back on the train uh, in the Bay Area. It's called the BART system, B-A-R-T. Yes. And um, once they got to the East Bay uh, at a station called Fruitvale Station, title of the movie, um, one of Oscar's friends called out his name. Um, uh, another was like, that lady. Did that was that lady like a real person? I think they they kind of folded a few different things into one person in one scenario. Person? Okay, yeah. Um, at one point, he did call his grandma from work and ask if she could give a lady that he had met some advice about okay. like a fish fry. So that was true. Right. Somebody so just kind of conflated that into exactly. one person, or cool. combined rather. Um, that's like narrative. That's narrative storytelling. Exactly. People so, um, so someone recognized him, called out his name on the train, which caused a a person who I believe he had been in prison with to recognize him. Um, that guy then Demon jumped man. him with um, his friends. So uh-huh. then Oscar's friends jumped in to break up the fight. They broke up the fight, um, but the train didn't go anywhere because the incident got reported. Um, BART police showed up. Um, they grabbed a few of Oscar's friends and threw them to the ground and sat them down on the station. Um, Oscar was on the train. The officer yeah. who showed up, um, ba, 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 his name was uh, Tony Peroni, um, and I can't remember his partner's name, but he he then went on the train <laughs> I know. Wait a he, second. His name was Tony Peroni. It's P I R O N E. I'm sorry. That's not a. F- I don't know. Tony Peroni. Anyway, Come on. so then he goes on. What a clown. He goes on the train, and based based on uh, what Oscar was wearing, which looked like his friend's outfits, he dragged him off the train yeah. roughly, uh, threw him to the ground, and a lot of stuff happened. Um, Yes, there is a big alter. There is an altercation. Officer Peroni um, hit Oscar Grant several times. Um, they threw one of his friends to the ground really roughly. Um, he used they the N word. They escalated N-word. the situation. Yes, he used the N word twice. Um, I'm just okay. I'm gonna at this juncture. I'm gonna read some um, some let's, quotes from a yeah, CNN let's, article. Let's, um, yeah, let's get into that. Let me see. Okay, here we go. Quote, the 10-year-old report recently released thanks to a new California police transparency law says that Bay Area Rapid Transit part officer Anthony Peroni, quote, started a cascade of events that ultimately led to the shooting of Grant, end quote, and that he then lied about those events in an effort to put his own actions and conduct in a more favorable light. Peroni hit Grant and used profanity and the N-word during the incident, the report says, and later lied to investigators about Grant's actions, claiming he hit Peroni's partner and kicked Peroni in the groin. But Peroni's account was directly contradicted by video evidence reviewed by investigators, the report said. Um, a jury found Johannes Meserly, the officer who shot Grant, guilty of involuntary manslaughter in July 2010. The report also found evidence that contradicted Meserly's claim at trial that he intended to draw and fire his taser at Grant and not his gun. But according to investigators, it was Peroni who, through his words and use of force, was, quote, responsible for settling, setting the events in motion that created a chaotic and tense situation on the platform, setting the stage, even if inadvertent, for the shooting of Oscar Grant, end quote. So 
what had happened. And there are a lot of cell phone evidence um, and on the scene, you know, video camera evidence that captures this is Oscar Grant at one point gets thrown on his stomach. Um, Peroni is shoving his head to the ground at times with his hand and at times with his knee. Um, Meserly is ordering him to roll over, but he can't because he's being held down by the other officer. Because he's got his fucking head. Um, yeah. Then he tries to handcuff him and he can't get his right arm. Um, he's repeatedly commanding him to put his hands behind his back. At one point, Oscar Grant, he says, um, his hand went towards his waistband. Uh, Meserly says he thought he was going for a gun. So he sits up, pulls out his service pistol, and shoots Oscar Grant once in the back. Uh, he later said that Just he meant to use his taser, right. which was mounted on his left hip. Um, Debunked. It's, yeah, it's... Multiple of the like the video evidence that I read said that multiple times throughout the altercation he had his hand on his gun and kept looking down at his gun, yeah. specifically showing that he knew he was not pulling his taser. For sure. In short, these people are trained psychopaths, trained by like military experts to to assume that everyone's trying to kill them all the time. And whenever they show up, they escalate situations. Always, and this is a, a, a yet another prime example of the cops show up and just start losing their fucking minds trying to, like, arrest somebody. And if this situation were to happen without any police officers, the fight was broken up, everybody would have gone home, and uh, it would have been a fight. Yeah, and, and that's the, it. the unfortunate and thing died. is, not only was the situation escalated by the officers who showed up on the scene, um, during the investigation, almost every officer involved either refused to cooperate and didn't contribute to the investigation, uh, in the case of Meserly, who did the shooting, or yep. lied and was found yeah. to have lied later. Mm-hmm. And the system yeah. allows that to happen. Um, granted, the BART police are a separate institution that are somewhat different than a typical police department, but it's still a problem and it's still it's still this us versus them mentality that leads to these situations where I mean it's it's tough to watch it it looks like an execution the guy literally puts a bullet in this man's back who is being held by his head on the ground face down being, yeah it's yeah, yeah. it's rough um it's real rough um anyway um so back to the movie um kind of jumping back into this, um, hearing when they're on the train before all this happening and hearing next stop Fruitvale station just makes your fucking heart sink. Yeah, Um, there was, I I couldn't, I didn't know how I felt about a lot of it because some of it felt very much like, uh, like very obvious where like they, it felt like he was saying like, and constantly showing the train was like this, like, like death following you. So I wasn't sure. I don't know how I felt about it being very obviously like next stop death. Like that's kind of how it felt a lot of the time. So I wasn't quite sure how I felt about being so explicit about that stuff, but I kind of, it fell in the tragedy category to me. I mean, I, I saw the whole thing and it just, I think that sense of inevitability too, in a really sad way kind of applies to our current situation. I mean, 
just this year. Yeah. 2020, May 25th, you know, George Floyd gets suffocated to death by three officers. Same and, shit. you know, ignites a bunch of protests and riots across America. And it's the same shit. And it feels inevitable. It feels like something that won't change, yeah. which is why people are so angry. So watching this and feeling the whole thing, you know, shuffle slowly towards that dark moment is just, I, I found it very effective. Um, because you know, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So that, that hurt. Um, it was really heartbreaking watching Safina, his girlfriend, try to figure out what's going on and just being kind of pushed aside. Um, yeah. And then just yeah. the futility and uncertainty of any hospital waiting room scene in any movie is just fucking awful. It it just hurts to watch. Yeah. It hurts to watch people, you know, rally and try to have hope and pray and, you know, stay yeah. positive. And then, you know, the surgeon comes through the door and is like, nope. It just, yeah. it's a lot. That was a lot. That was kind of a tough part to watch for me. The the mom like seeing her kid, um, just because I've had experience. Like my oldest brother died in a car accident, and like seeing your parents kind of like go through that. Mm -hmm. This is exactly the same situation, and like that really got me because like, uh, yeah, it's just painful. It's painful to watch. The, most of the movies, the, the end is pretty painful. Um, yeah, I, I honestly like. It, I was worried because I didn't have a lot to say about this movie because it it just feels like the same shit. So like, I didn't. There was nothing. It's we. I don't know what to say. You know, like I'm just fucking. Mm-hmm. I'm speechless still. Um, yeah. And I think we. So yeah, we can only speak to it so deeply. We kind of have our our film focus, and we can kind of talk to culture as a larger thing that gets affected by film. And that's kind of our wheelhouse. Uh, I feel like we'd encourage you to do your own research. You know, there's plenty of reporting about this now that's almost a decade old. Um, there's reports that have come out since you can learn about everything that happened. You can learn about the, the reasons why, um, officer Meserly who shot him, you know, barely served any time and kind of got off on. Yeah. Ele- got off 11 crappy months. Crappy charges. Yeah. Well, so he, he murdered he was a man and got off years, for 11 months. Sentenced to two years. Um, and then because he'd been in custody during the proceedings, he was released after 11 months. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, we'd Craziness. encourage you to do your own research, um, look into this, learn as much as you can. And, and you know, in the present as well. Learn about what's happened since and what hasn't changed. Um, Black Lives Matter is a great place to start with resources, um, both for things to do, um, you know, history to learn about, and yeah, places yeah. to donate, Just, places to petition, things like that. Yes, learn learn the history. Um, let's talk about uh, your frame, your favorite frame yeah. from the movie. Yeah, what do you got? I, I had a bit of trouble. It's not a very, um, I don't know what the word Visually is. Visually like, stunning. No, it's it's very like, personal. It's very personally filmed. Yeah. Film, <laughs> filmed film on purpose, um, I think. <laughs> you know, the action's very close to the the people involved and it's, it's very effective. Um, and I, maybe I'm just a sucker for like flashier frames or composition that makes me feel something, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm trying to look out for one of these days. My frame is just going to be a particular close up that like 
gut punched me. Like it, it was almost that moment where he goes around the corner and his smile melts. But yeah. I, um, I got three. Yeah. Uh, there's the shot of him looking out at the bay, and it's just him with the rocks and the ocean, and just kind of, you know, separate from everything else, just kind yeah. of thinking about life. Very powerful. Um, there's a moment where he's uh, saying bye to his kid and promising to take her to Chuck E. Cheese the next day, and it's just his face and her face and profile, and it just it's very yeah, sweet. That's a good shot. Um, and they're both just you know beautiful people, and it just kind of hurts your heart yeah. to know what happens. Um, and then my last shot was um, in a BART station. I think it's underground. It's not Fruitvale Station. And it's just the train leaving. And it just had really nice lines and really nice, you know, um, yeah, perspective and depth. So I'm a sucker for that kind Hell of thing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I only have one. Uh, and it's the uh, sl- the only slow motion shot in the whole movie of him running. Yes, with, thank you. Chasing his daughter. Thank you. Um, and he's he's like got down super low. Yeah. And he's running like a like a track star, and is like I just the shot was so good, and I I could not pick it. When it, it bears mentioning that um, he's not chasing his daughter, he is absolutely destroying her he's in a racing. race to the he's, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's going destroying so fast, destroying her in a race. And she's just laughing behind him because she's running as fast as a little kid can, and he's just <laughs> yeah. breakneck speed, obliterating. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very so funny good. moment. Um, very sweet I feel moment. like. I feel like for a fool of the week, like this isn't even a question, right? Like I don't even no, think there's any other options it's for Michael this one. B. Jordan. Yeah, and he's so good in this, and nobody even comes yeah. close to his performance in this whatsoever, in my opinion, because it is he's in every. Ryan Coogler's brother um, uh-huh. plays Oscar's buddy at work, Cato. Mm-hmm. Um, I really? thought he was particularly good. Oh, I he does kind of look like was, him. Was pretty funny. That's He's got rad. some good moments. That's very cool. Um, He's just very charismatic. So just a little comedic shout out. A little uh, shout out to um, Oscar Grant's real mother uh, was the teacher at the preschool. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That was oh, his actual cool. mother. Yeah. So there's a couple little like, you know, small things that are. Yeah. Are cool and nice. In a less fun way, um, Kevin Durand as uh, in he's credited as Officer Caruso, but it was inspired by Tony Perone. It's probably Perone. We're we're probably stupid. It's Peroni? probably Perone, but Tony, Tony Perone is funny. Um, <laughs> I'm calling him Tony. Who, Peroni. by the way, just to just to call out Peroni's bullshit. Um, so he. I think he was a Marine before it. And then after Shocking. these incidences, he he redeployed, like he jumped back into the military overseas. Jesus. Later was charged with, um, with uh, what's the word, uh, accepting thousands and thousands of dollars in unemployment despite being um, mm. employed. So, mm. wow. Yeah, I mean, fuck bit him. Of a, bit of a shady dude, Tony um, Crony. Um, definitely not held responsible for his very large role in escalating events and leading to no. some bullshit. So, um, but so, all that to say, Kevin Durand, who plays him, is a fantastic actor who is very menacing and threatening, and his physical performance was 
especially Kevin frightening. Durand. Um, he plays not Kevin Durant. Durand with a okay. D. You said um, you said Kevin Durand, but, and I was like, Kevin Durant is in this. <laughs> no, I know. I saw that first too. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant he plays white Little cop. John in in uh, Ridley Scott's uh, Robin, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Which, was fun. I enjoyed about. that movie. Okay. All right. <laughs> I liked it. I had fun. But anyway, he played Lil John. He has a great singing voice. Anyway. That's incredible. Um back to the matter at hand. Yeah. To uh, to wrap things up, um, do you have any mm-hmm. final thoughts about the movie? Final words. We basically covered it. It's yeah. yeah, it's it does exactly what it set out to do. You know, it really it humanizes somebody that because of the way our media works, um, you know, some people felt a certain way about and it it just I don't know, it gives you that whole journey, right? Because these are, you know, the George Floyds of the world and Trayvon Martin and Oscar Grant and, you know, Philando Castile and the list goes on and fucking on, mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor, yeah. all this. These are people whose final moments receive so much attention and it, you know, you, it's important to see what their lives are like, even if it's just the day leading up to it. And this is just the day leading up to it. It's not his whole life. It's not all of his hopes and dreams. It doesn't show him as a kid. It's 24 fucking hours. So, but getting that glimpse into someone's life. Yeah. If this is the only movie that you watch about this whole situation, um, and this happens again, and I just encourage people to when you see a human being, regardless of who they are, um, think about their life, think about when they've been happy, think about when they've been sad, try to imagine what their life is like, just to humanize people, because like in this situation. I feel like these days a lot of people see people and they see what they've done or they see how they look and they don't stop to think that they're a human being with people that they love and a whole life. And if this is the only movie that you watch, just think about this movie when you look at anyone. Just think about they they had a day today where they experienced things. as just base level humanity. And it led to that situation. And, base level humanity. You know. And even if all you see is that moment where, you know, the cops are detaining someone or throwing them against the ground, you have no idea what led to that. You have no idea who those officers are. Yeah. Just just approach things with an open mind. Yes. You know? So in closing for me, uh, <laughs> be a good fucking human being. Uh, wear a mask and... Fuck the yep. police and uh, abolish prisons. <laughs> that's a whole nother, That's an issue that ties into this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, yeah. So that's all I got. I'm so mad. <laughs> Sorry. This, I was very <laughs> pissed off this episode. Uh, but yeah. So stay cool, everyone. I'll, and I'll just say, you know, please do your own research. Please read into yes, these things. Just, please yeah. learn more about our country's history, not the stuff you learned in school. Learn about black history because that's it's everyone's history, right? Nothing is, nothing 
is completely insular. Nothing affects only itself, right? Our country has a very complicated past Yep. that a lot of us don't know a lot about. So look into that. Look into why in the past 40 years policing has skyrocketed, incarceration has skyrocketed, and why the U.S. has 25% of the world's prisoners. Yep. That's insane. So look into that, please, look into because it. our country has some interesting shit happening. We've got some shit. But uh, I want to thank you for listening, and I would like to encourage you to uh, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I know it's weird. <laughs> it's really helpful for us. We just Jesus want more people Christ. to listen to us get mad. Um, and check out the Instagram for the frames drawn by the beautifully drawn frames drawn by Henry. Um, and until next time, take I don't know. Yourselves. We don't really have a catchphrase yet. Yeah. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, we need some nonsensical catchphrase like everyone else. <laughs> That's basically our catchphrase at this point. Wear a mask. <laughs> Wear a fucking mask. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop. Oy, oy, oy.